morning, church family. Please join me in the reading of God's word. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. What can, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit this was what they were thinking and their, in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that no matter how many times we have heard a story or read a passage, that there is something afresh and new that you want to teach us that you want us to learn about you, that you want us to grow in deeper relationship with you. Lord, I pray that as we dig into the word today, that I would be set aside, that this message would pierce hearts because it is your message today, and that anything that I am bringing to it would be set aside this morning so that those that are here may be edified and encouraged and brought before your feet. In your holy name we pray, amen. So this was the first time that I was allowed to choose what passage I was going to preach on. Don't be scared. Um, and I, was, I chose this passage because I feel like it really embodied what we have been learning about through this Ephesians series of what it looks like to live out your faith. I love this story because as you read through it, it's so easy to put yourself in the story as a spectator. You can almost watch everything unfolding before you. So please use your imaginations and join me in discovering the scene. The word is out. Jesus has been preaching a challenging word and he has been healing people and the crowds are swarming to him. Everyone wants to see what Jesus is going to say or do next. Now these four men, when they heard that Jesus was in town and the crowds began to run to the home that he was at. They could have chosen to run with those crowds so they could get the best seat, be right up front to see Jesus. But instead, they turn and they run in the opposite direction 
toward the paralyzed man's house, the person who was marginalized and said, we have got to bring this man to Jesus. I imagine them getting to the paralyzed man's home and saying, wake up, today's the day. We're going to bring you to Jesus because you are going to get healed. I'm sure some of you here, maybe some of those of you who are watching from home, can identify with the plight of the paralyzed man. Whether you yourself have a physical disability or someone that you love has that experience. But it is difficult for us to fully understand what it was like to have a disability during this time. Without the technological advances we have today, without our modern medicine, but also with the cultural alienation that you would have experienced. You see, during this time, it was a common belief that ailments were a consequence of sin. We see this in John 9 when the disciples asked Jesus what sin caused a man they saw to be born blind. Jesus, of course, corrects this incorrect assumption, but this is the world the paralyzed man lived in, alienated and isolated from his community. He must have often felt left out, left behind, rejected and judged by his community. These four men saw the need of this man to have healing, so they brought him to the feet of Jesus. Church family, may we be like these four men, that when we look at our community, we would have eyes that see those that are marginalized, those that are hurting, those that feel left out and left behind, rejected and judged. And that we would be willing to do whatever it takes to bring them back into community, to bring them to the feet of Jesus for forgiveness and healing. I imagine as these four men carrying the paralyzed man on the stretcher came around the bend and saw the large crowds in front of the house making it impossible for them to bring him to Jesus. Their hearts must have sank. I think we've all had this experience where we feel like the Holy Spirit has really called us to a decision or an action and then bam, that obstacle pops up. And we feel like that perfect plan of getting from A to B is now impossible. But sometimes the challenges we face are exactly what we need to bring us to the feet of Jesus. These men are determined to bring their friend to Jesus. We all need friends like this in our lives. The ones who don't take no for an answer. When you're struggling, they show up, whether you ask them to or not. These are the friends that bring you back to Jesus, no matter what the cost is. I don't know a single person in our community right now 
that hasn't had the experience of having their plans disrupted, either in the form of loss, mental health issues, strained relationship, financial hardship, or just having to turn their whole world around in a time where everything feels upside down. We need community. We need people who are willing to step into those difficult moments to point us back to Jesus. Maybe even some of you are sitting here right now because someone wouldn't take no for an answer. They just kept inviting you to church because they knew that what you needed most in your life, more than anything else, was to be brought to the feet of Jesus. So these men get to the house. They decide to go up the back steps of the building. Holmes at this time had a flat top roof that could be used as a patio or a sleeping area. And so they carry the paralyzed man up the stairs to the ceiling. And the verse says that they start to dig through the ceiling, through the clay, through the, glass, through the grass, through the mud. And so I want you to imagine this scene. Think about how big of a hole would you need to lower a man on a mat to the bottom. I think sometimes we imagine that he gracefully came down and Jesus was like surprised by this man coming, oh, and he comes down to the ground. No, this was a disruptive moment. These men were destroying private property. They were totally disrupting Jesus's message as dirt and clay are falling to the ground And finally, slowly, probably back and forth, if you imagine trying to pull down a man evenly to the floor, the paralyzed man falls at Jesus' feet. And I imagine that this entire crowd that expanded outside the building was leaning in, waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then the crowd just waits. Son, your sins are forgiven. The paralyzed man didn't ask to be forgiven. But Jesus knew that this was his most desperate need. Church family, I know a lot of us and our loved ones face very difficult circumstances, and we want healing. We want God to intervene, but these bodies are not eternal. They are imperfect. They betray us with illness and decay. And sometimes, yes, God heals and he intervenes, but some of us know all too well that sometimes he does not. But Jesus offers us something more. He offers us forgiveness and hope for life eternal. This was what Jesus had come for. To deal with the problem of sin once and for all. This is our most desperate need. We long to be forgiven, to be sanctified, to be in relationship with our creator and in community with one another. 
One of my favorite compass point classes that we do here at MVC is with our two and three-year-olds, where we teach parents and grandparents how to bless and speak truth over their children. The example blessing that we teach begins with, may you know your heavenly father loves you. And we at first have them practice with another adult in the room before they give a blessing and speak a truth over their own child or grandchild. And without fail, every adult in that room either swells up with tears or they have that <gasps> pull in of breath as they try to keep their emotions in check. And I wish I could spend the rest of this service, just walking around to each and every one of you and looking you deeply in the eye, say, may you know your heavenly Father loves you. May you know that you are forgiven, that you are accepted, that you are chosen because we are desperate to know it. Not just here, but to have it written on our hearts. I'm sure at this point, some in the crowd were wondering, is that it? Isn't Jesus going to heal this guy? I'm sure there were some people in the crowd that were like appalled, like, isn't Jesus going to say something? These people interrupted this whole thing, and they've destroyed this man's roof. I imagine the friends overhead looking down in the hall, just really confused, like, what are we supposed to do next? I mean, they're like pull them back up? Do we just walk away? Like, I'm sure they're very wondering, what is this next step? What do we do? But the Bible does tell us what some of them were thinking there that day. In verse 6, it says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking and their in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. It was easier for Jesus to say your sins were forgiven, because who would know whether it was true or not? It was easier to say, but according to the teachers of the law, it was impossible for him to do because only God alone had the power to forgive this man's sins. Sin is an offense against God. It separates us from a relationship with him. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus came to heal that broken relationship, to pay the price for our sins so that we could have forgiveness and healing. In a few moments, the worship team will come back up and Pastor David Miles is going to lead us in communion where we are spiritually nourished by the elements of bread and wine representing the body and blood of Christ that paid the price for our sins. We believe that when we partake of the elements together, 
that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are unified, united with Christ, and that we are brought to his feet where we receive healing and forgiveness. It says in verse 12 that Jesus told the man to get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like that. This man came to Jesus paralyzed, broken, weighed down by sin, but he walked out praising God. That is my prayer for you today. That no matter how you walked in this morning, that you would leave today knowing that you are loved, forgiven, that you have a hope and a future, that as we close with a time of communion and worship, that you would praise God for the work that he has done and continues to do in your life. Will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we praise you that you know our greatest need that you know our desperate need for your salvation, for your intervention, that we are broken, that we are paralyzed in our sin, that we are separated from you. Lord, we thank you that you came to offer yourself in our place, to pay the price for our sin so that we could have forgiveness and healing. Lord, help us to bring people back into community, to bring people to you. Lord, we don't have to do the healing. We don't have to do the forgiving. We are not capable, but you are. So give us the strength. Give us the opportunity. Give us the eyes that see those that are marginalized, those that are alone, those that are suffering, those that feel left out and left behind, rejected and judged and that we would do whatever it takes to bring them to you so that they can experience wholeness, forgiveness, and fullness of relationship with you. We thank you for this word today. In your holy name we pray, amen.